What's in the basement, Ben? Uh, my dead mother. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. It's after, it's after I read The Book of the Dead and uh, Henrietta <laughs> turned and had a locker in the basement. Basement or cellar? We'll get to that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, what's the difference? Well, that's the theme of this week's show, you know. Um, what, what's the difference between the basement and the cellar? Exactly. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> that's the entire theme of the show. Um, I guess one is um, wetter. <laughs> cellar is danker, maybe. Is that what it is? Well, a cellar is typically used for storage of maybe like cellars are smaller. Process stuff. Yeah, like wine. Or food or, you know. Food, yeah. yeah. Whereas a basement you can occupy and. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I I didn't expect you to ask me that question so soon, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> but you know what? We've talked about the lack of basements in Australia on this show before. And apparently it's illegal. I come bearing information. Hmm. Yes. So the reason why we are deprived of such pleasures here in Australia, Ben, it's all down to engineering and climate. So apparently you've got to lay a foundation of a house below the freeze line, right? What's the freeze line? Well, that depends on where you live in the world. Right? right, so the colder it is, the deeper the freeze line, and so and that's because the structure moves with the soil if it's above the freeze line, right? Because the freeze line changes consistency when it thaws, all that kind of stuff. So, for example, in America, you live in California or Florida, there's no basements, you live in New York or Colorado, there's basements, basements, right? All to do with the temperature. So, there you go, like, tell so me, because, tell so where's <laughs> our we well, must not have one then. Well, we don't really. Like, it depends. Like, if you live maybe up in the Alpine region, in winter they'd have a frost line. Right. So, I guess most of those lodges and chalets up there probably have, you know, deep foundations. Right. But, but what I want to know is, like, where, where does that lie for you as far as informative, useful information on this show, Ben? That's probably the most useful information <laughs> that this show has ever delivered. Exactly. Like, huh. That explains that. So there it's you like, go. It's like a little bit of Mythbusters. <laughs> there you go, people. Take that information. Use it as you will. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, that's my a, pleasure. That's a year 10 uh, <laughs> consumer ed project for someone right there. <laughs> oh, by the way, welcome to Good Movie Monday. You're listening to the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran. Your co-host is Ben Helwig. And we do come to you from above the uh, freeze line. Well... Half of me. <laughs> the bottom half might as well be. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My too totally for this <laughs> turtle head. <laughs> and today's show, we are asking what's in the basement. And that's because the new film, The Black Phone, is opening in cinemas this week. And we have a treat for you because I got to chat with the director, Scott Derrickson. Um, and we're going to be sharing that chat with you a little bit later on and talking about the movie. But given that so much of that film takes place in a dark, dank, sinister style of basement, we thought, why not take a look at some other movies in basements? It's a very tenuous thread, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by God, we're going to pull that thread. Yeah, let's do it. Yes. Basements are pretty cool, though. You know, when I lived in Canada, I lived in a basement. Right. Your, par- your parents' basement? Yes. It was fully contained. I had a shower. I had, like, you know, even yes. a laundry down there. It's like you're in, ha- did it have its own entry? 
Yeah, it did. It did. It's like it's like you're living in your own little apartment. It, exactly right. I mean, fuck. If I had a basement in Australia, it wouldn't be dark, dusty, damp. It'd be fucking. There'd be carpet laid, couches, television. I'd have turned mine into a video store. <laughs> hey, the origins of this show practically started in the basement. In the basement, yeah, I remember that basement. Fakeshamp.net podcast was born out of a basement. One of the very few in Australia, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess maybe that's a cellar. Well, that was more because it was built on a hill, and they had yeah. no choice. But and to they dig, had, dig yeah, it doesn't really count as a basement when it because it was was it on the same line as the no, it wasn't the same line as the garage or anything, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, you, you, it was. It was so it was yeah. street level, and the house was built up, but on a hill. So the back, let's say, of the house was underground. It was underground. Yeah, it's so odd. It's like a. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you look at when you look at um, at house plans now, if you go on realestate.com.au and stuff, and they always have behind the garage, they've got like storage. Yeah, that's, you know, like, that's what you just. It was a bigger than most. Yeah, and you just turned it into the the ultimate man cave. Do you remember though? I had like another little cellar behind it, and yeah. I called that the Fritzel room. Wasn't there a toilet in there too? Yeah, there was. Like, like, but there was. It was no like room around the toilet. It was just like down the end of a corridor with yep. no... Yep, it was creepy as fuck. Like yeah. I said, the Fritzel roommate. And I yeah. used to threaten the kids with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what times, what times. It's useless information for everybody listening. <laughs> I can't think of her name now. It was uh, Who was that woman that you terrified uh, Josh with? At the... Um... <laughs> what? You terri- at, uh, at the Fitzroy Film Fair. <laughs> um, oh, what was her name? She's in all those Jim Minorsky movies and everything. Oh, yes, not Kitty something, was it? No. Yeah, Kitty Kit Nav- Nativity. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, a, we're, we're talking about Sean here. Sean, sorry, yeah, Sean, not yeah. Josh. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, because <laughs> Josh ran the show. Yeah, um, but you know what? Like, I look back on that time. Look, for for some context here, this woman was basically a porn star from the what sixties, seventies, or adult. Dancer. Yeah, she. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if she. I don't know if she ever did yeah, hardcore, I'm but sure she quite, did. yeah, I'm pretty sure she close did. enough to it. And she, oh, she's now what in her seventies, eighties. Yes, and she and got she up on stage and practically did a bit of a strip tease. And and on that particular day, I may or may not have forced my very young son up onto stage with her, which is totally inappropriate. <laughs> the look of terror on his face. <laughs> but you know what? Hilarious. Um, I like to try and wipe that from my memory because, like, I, I do feel a bit guilty about that. Yeah. You know, no one else there does. I would have been cancelled long ago had that. Had, yeah, <laughs> had come out then. But that's what you, know, you just told him. You just so when you had that house, you told him that she was just. It's the Fritzel room, and if you're bad, you go down there, and she's waiting for you. Oh yeah, that's why I disappear to every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, anyway, on today's show, um, before we throw it over to Jarrett Garn, we do have our usual segments coming up. Um, actually, let's plug our social media. Like, you know, I really want to get people on board with our fucking social media. Come on, people. <laughs> I want more engagement. Oh, you uh, just ask people to marry you. That's how engagement works, mate. You nah, can't get on. engagement until you ask them help to marry us, you. Help us plump those numbers up. Find us on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, you know. We put content up every night. And uh, I like that you say we. Where I do nothing. Well, you contribute. You, I'm, I'm in the videos. Usually, <laughs> usually it's after we've finished. It's the stuff that isn't supposed to go to air that ends up on there. Well, the stuff, me. the stuff that's not supposed to end up anywhere ends up on TikTok. In TikTok, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just thinking about yes. some of those now. <laughs> you literally had me singing 
One time I sucked six in a row. <laughs> well, that's funny because you reacted to me doing that. Yeah. And I remember vividly before that saying, okay, and we're off. So we were actually recording. Yeah. And you just sang it anyway. I thought you were giving us a special treat. No. <laughs> I would have done a better job. <laughs> I would have actually have played the, I would have found the actual video. Last week we had um, videos featuring Melzy Begg and uh, Sam Doherty from the Melbourne Horror Film Society. So they were fun and you can go back and have a look at those. Um, but yeah, like I said, TikTok's where I want people to go. I want uh, I want to see how I embarrass you, Ben. It's where all the unfortunate stuff goes, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we also do have our regular segments. We have Guillermo Troncoso from Screen Realm coming up. We have the Boneheads from Bonehead Weekly with their spin on basement, cellars, dwellers, whatever. I don't know. I think they give each other shit about yeah. the difference between a cellar and a basement. Well, they would know. They're more prevalent over there. Yeah, they've got them. We don't have them. We don't have them here. My throat's dry. I need a cup of tea. Uh, let's throw to Jarrett and um, then we'll push on. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. I'm going to start this week's segment with some very exciting news. And that is that Sony Pictures in the US are going to release Fright Night on 4K Ultra HD. You heard me. Fright Night in 4K. It'll be a three disc set comprised of one 4K Ultra HD and two Blu-ray discs, and it'll be housed in a limited edition steelbook. Now that steelbook is gonna utilize the original theatrical key art for the movie. And what's more, this isn't just gonna be porting over those special features that were on the Twilight Time Blu-ray in the US or the Eureka Entertainment Blu-ray in the UK. It's gonna have all of those, plus newly produced special features and some archival material that's making its disc debut. The cherry on top of this is the fact that Sony have splurged and produced a Dolby Atmos track. That's right, Fright Night, not only in 4K, but in Dolby Atmos. It's incredible. My advice to you though is pre-order it wherever you pre-order discs from the States because there's a chance, I have a suspicion, that this one may sell out ahead of its physical release date, much like that Ghostbusters Ultimate gift set that Sony released this could go that same way. So if you want to get it and get it for a good price, not the scalper prices on eBay, you know, for a bit of peace of mind, secure your copy today by pre-ordering it. Then moving on to this week's releases, first up, Roadshow. And they're releasing everything everywhere all at once on every format. It's coming out on 4K, Blu-ray and DVD. That's right, Roadshow releasing an indie film on 4K. It's fantastic news. This movie did strong box office for Roadshow. It's good to see them following through by giving it a 4K Guernsey. Now, it is a 4K standalone release, meaning there's no Blu-ray component, but that doesn't matter because the 4K Ultra HD has all the special feature content that's on the Blu-ray. So the 4K and Blu-ray both have Dolby Atmos and they have these special features, an audio commentary, deleted scenes, featurettes, outtakes, a trailer, and a music video. So it's a pretty, pretty big package. And like I said, it's great that Roadshow's taken a punt and putting this out on 4K Ultra HD locally. I think, I genuinely believe this may sell well. Then coming out from Madman this week, these are all only coming out on DVD, but once you hear what they are, it's kind of understandable as to why. First up is the Aussie feature, How to Please a Woman. Look, you know, I don't know if anyone really went to see this at the movies, and I'm sort of surprised that it's actually getting a disc release. It may be contractual. I kind of thought it would go straight from cinemas to a streamer like Stan or something like that, but it's coming out on disc, and look, I'll check it out eventually, given that Cameron Datto's in it, and he's such a goddamn smoothie. Then there's a documentary, Helmut Newton, The Bad and the Beautiful, that's coming out on DVD about the Austrian photographer. And lastly, Farewell Mr. Haffman, which is coming from the Palace catalogue and it's coming out on DVD. It's a French drama set during World War II. 
Anyway, that's it for me for this week, so until next time, stay physical. Ah, good stuff, Jarrett. Thank you, mate. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's definitely the order of the week for me, Ben. Uh, that, was a, that was a bit of a banger. Yes, I'm trying to think. Uh... Are, we, are we allowed to like this movie now that Jamie Lee Curtis has been uh, cancelled? Has she been cancelled? <laughs> Last Friday. Oh. Well, actually, no. Last Thursday, went back midweek. She uh she made a comment about um one of her or the Knives Out co-star, the one that was in Blade Runner. You know that young girl from Cuba, Anna Diarmas. Yeah, and made a obviously it was a harmless comment, but something to the effect of you know she's not as sophisticated as us because she's not from America. And bam, oh. they hit her as a racist and tried to bring her down. And well, that's unfortunate. So we're not allowed to watch that anymore. So yeah, she's in a fat suit. So. <laughs> Even Stevens, that's right. with sausage fingers. She's she's the she's the villain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what it all evens out. What is it you're saying about fat people, Ben? That they're evil. Oh, what, and now you're saying that all evil people are fat. Yes. Oh, we cancel you now. That's fine. <laughs> of course, Jarrett comes to us from Monster Fest, and uh, you should head over there and check out their socials and and keep on top of what they do. Um, all right, what do we have coming up, Ben? We have the Bonehead Weekly Fun Size segment to come. We have a uh, chat with uh, Scott Derrickson. I'm just going through my notes here, in case you didn't know. And uh, Screen Realm. So first, let's recommend stuff. All right. Uh, each week, Ben and I, for the newcomers, do recommend two movies each, and uh, they are usually tied in with the show. Then it's your job to track them down. Perhaps um, watch them and drop some comments once again on our social media. Um what do we got, Ben? You go first, I reckon. Although, if, if someone's interested in what we've talked about and they have forgotten what we've talked about, where can they go? <laughs> Onto our social media, Glenn. <laughs> What's the social media I haven't mentioned yet? Uh, YouTube. Well, how about Letterboxd? Letter- oh, Letterboxd. Is that, <laughs> does that count as social media? Yeah, it's, look, it's everything's up. Everything we talk about, and sometimes I think things we don't even talk about end up on that list because... When you send me the list of titles after editing the show, I'm like, I didn't, who talked about this? I don't remember this. We only mentioned that. It's, it's always like random extra things get added to that list. And I'm like, how many films did the Boneheads talk about? No, well, you know, my, I've told you before, my policy is um, if we spend more than 30 seconds on it, then it goes on. Yeah, but sometimes it's movies I've, I haven't even heard of. That's because you like, don't pay attention when we record. That's 100% true. <laughs> So this is my bit now. You just you just spin my chair around and go, <laughs> point your finger at me, and that's when I start talking. And then I turn it back around and and pl- continue it's, playing uh, solitaire I've on my a, phone. I've got a big pokey stick under the desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it lifts up the table. Sometimes it nudges me in the leg. So, do you want to kick us off? All right. What's in your basement? <clears throat> I said, my dead mother. I nearly, Jesus, let's get my drink. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I have to say, look, I, I, the film I watched this week, uh, for the first time was, uh, the, the, I want to say it's the Lucio, it's the Lucio Fulci, <laughs> Lucio Fulci classic, I guess, stretch of the word classic, I don't know, <laughs> well, uh, comes- from House by the Cemetery. Yeah. Now this movie is one that I've, I, I've, I've always had a lot of trouble watching it because I always think that House by the Cemetery is um, the other because it's part, it's the third one in the Gates of Hell yep. uh, trilogy, and the other ones are the Beyond and uh, what's the other one? <laughs> uh, would you believe I was just looking at it? 
the gates of hell, sorry. Um, uh, City of the Living Dead. Oh. Which, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that they brought it out in a box set. The I old, have just put a triple uh, pack in front of Ben's face. <laughs> um, Sometimes we've got to explain what's happening. You've got to explain, because, yeah. You know, they otherwise, see. it's just me going, ah, uh, uh, um, <laughs> But I always got them mixed up. So when I looked at it, I'm like, I've seen this. Yeah, right. So I just never watched it. Okay. And then, then this, this, I finally said, Fuck this! That's this movie is all about basements. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna force myself to watch it. I had to watch it twice because at first I thought I must have maybe I fell asleep because the movie makes absolutely no fucking sense. But that kind of is Fulci's thing, isn't it? Well, the beyond the beyond is a masterpiece. Yeah. The other one, who's I've forgotten, I just mentioned it. Uh, City of the Living Dead is great, although. For some unknown reason, everyone has really soft heads, so the zombies are constantly able to pull the tops of their heads yeah, off. I know. I've, I've actually thought to myself before, like, what would it, what would it be like to do a Fulci like marathon? I'm like, but who in the right mind would? Like, that's the thing. Like, I can watch the, and love the films, but they're they're a task. Well, I mean, look, I, I you could definitely do it with with um, like you could watch the Beyond, mm. and then after that, uh, you know, zombie flesh eaters, yeah, or zombie holocaust or whatever. You want to call it? I do love City of the um, Living Dead. Like that's a good and one. City of the Living yeah. Dead is pretty good. And you know, look, there are you know there are a bunch of other ones, but this one, yep, just weird as fuck. Like, you, <laughs> like I literally, I watched it twice. I read the Wikipedia page entry that explains the plot. I listened to a podcast of people who were talking about it who had just watched it. <laughs> Still don't know what the fuck <laughs> happens in it. But it's look, you know, I always think that even the worst Fulci is still is still better than the best Lindsay. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that, yeah. if that doesn't get us emails, I don't know what will. It's, it's like um, well, they've got to know what our email address is first. So. Well, you know, or social media uh, <laughs> uh, bitching and moaning. I, I I kind of clock it up a bit like Dario Argento. Some of those early films don't necessarily make a lot of sense, but they're just compelling to watch. Like it's yeah. all in the aesthetic. it's incredibly visual. Yeah. But so this one is, <laughs> and once again, like Katrina McCall. Pops up and a bunch of other people with Italian names that I can't pronounce because I'm not Glenn. Uh, <laughs> turns up, <laughs> turns up in this film, and it's the movie, and it does start in great. That's not giallo, I guess, but great um, Italian horror fashion with nudity and then a, a gory kill. Yep, of a, a young a young woman who is. Uh, unfortunately, in between, she starts off naked, she puts her top on, then she gets killed. <laughs> Breaking the... Which is really against the rules of horror. She should have got killed while nude. Uh, uh, but basically, there's... A doctor goes up to this house in this small town with his mistress to study the work of the house's original owner, Dr. Freudstein. <laughs> Freudstein. And then something happens and he goes nuts, kills his mistress and tops himself. So then back in, and it's all set in America, even though I don't think any of it's, I don't know if they actually shoot these, if he shot these I movies. It, he definitely so. did the, in the Italian style, like he shoots them silent mm -hmm. and then the people, then they get the, the dubbing after. So God only knows I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure it's all on here on Wikipedia, but I, I have not done do my due diligence. <laughs> you you just rocked one. up. I just I just woke up. <laughs> uh, so then his assistant, who's also like a, you know, decides to go and finish his work 
and basically publish his thesis and claim all the credit, even though he's like done a quarter of the of the of the work. And when he gets there, everyone is weird. And his little he's got a little kid. His little kid's called Bob. His little boy. And at the first, I couldn't tell if what if Bob was a, his son or his daughter. It was a very difficult. Even the name didn't really <laughs> uh, give it away. And it's the first time I've ever seen a little kid called Bob. <laughs> like usually, it's like Bobby or yeah. You know, Robert or Robert, their parents call him something like that. I've n- the, everyone just calls this kid Bob. It's like the Bob. plumber from a country practice when he was a little boy. Oh, it's like naming a baby Arthur. Like yeah. It just, yeah. It's not right. No. It's just that, you, you, know, <laughs> you know, young kids don't have this name. It's when they get older and they say, no, my name is Bob. <laughs> it's weird. It's but like anyway. Backwards. Bob. Uh, but Bob looks at a little photo. They've got a photo of the place they're going. And in the photo, there's a little girl in the window of the house. And the little girl tells Bob not to come. But of course, Bob's the only one who can see this little girl and no one else believes him. So they all go up to this house and then where they're met by a realtor who seems to say, oh, we've had a lot of trouble renting this house, but I'm glad you're here. Here's the keys. Let's, uh, you know, let's go. No, of course, you know, and then you kind of later find out that a lot of people have tried to rent that house and they've all just disappeared and no one's done anything about it. <laughs> um, but they go, they go rent this house and this woman shows up who is uh, been sent, who's the babysitter, and you think she's in on the like she's like a red herring because she's super weird and creepy. And there's even one scene where the 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 professor guy is kind of working in his office, and he hear in the, it's late at night, and he hears these weird, you know, bang bangs in the next room. So he goes to investigate, and it's the babysitter who's using a hammer and a chisel to kind of pry up these two by fours that have basically bolted the, the door of the basement. Right. Now we're at the basement. Now we're at the basement. <laughs> and he sees her. She kind of, she freezes mid, you know, bang kind of thing. And they look at each other and there's some, you know, some, some really good kind of music. <laughs> and then he just slowly backs away without saying a word. And they do not speak of it again. <laughs> it's, and then look, there's a host of other weird things happening, but and you know there is a there is a thing living in the basement that's feeding off all of these people. Yeah. And I don't want to give away any more than that. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it wouldn't matter even if I did because <laughs> the movie is insane. It's definitely worth seeing. It it is very well shot. It has a great score. The acting is great. Everyone complains about the dubbing of Bob, the English <laughs> dubbing. Now originally the first time I watched this, I watched this in Italian with the subtitles, and he's. His voice is normal. Yeah. But the English dub, they used a much older woman to dub his voice. (laughs) So it does not sound, it sounds weird. And Bob himself is a bit of a prick. Like there is, like the the reason you know that the babysitter thing, like she's super weird and you think she's kind of, you know, maybe she's the servant of the creature from the, who's feeding the, the, the guests of this house to him or it or whatever. But then she ends up getting killed. But before she gets killed, she's locked in the basement. She's screaming out for help. And Bob is like, hears it. And he's fucking around upstairs going, I'll get my teddy bear. Maybe I need this. Come on, Teddy. We've got to go and, and help the babysitter. <laughs> and he takes so fucking long to get down there that by the time it's happened, she's been decapitated. He sees the her severed head and all the blood, freaks out, runs upstairs. His mum comes home. So what's wrong? Is oh the basement? The babysitter's dead. The basement. She goes down into the basement. There's no blood, no head, nothing. Mm. 
But they never see the babysitter again, but she just thinks nothing of it. Well, I mean, the, the time it took Bob to get to the basement is about the amount of time it took you to get to the basement. To the, yeah. <laughs> it takes, it's about midway through the, uh, I think it's the end of the first act, at right. least, by the time they, by, by the time she's prying open the basement uh, door, and there's no explanation for the for the first people it's just fuck it like I, I just wish, watch it I wish that you know people could actually have a video you know version of this podcast they could see the expressions that were coming out of you when you were describing that because it was glorious from my point of view yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a movie for you that I think this one beggars belief it's a truly disturbing movie from 1965 it's called The Collector it's directed by the legendary William Wyler who you know like real titan of Hollywood and this one is starring a very very young Terence Stamp and Samantha Egger, who's, you know, from The Brood and Dr. Doodle and The Phantom. And, and Walk Don't Run. That too. Admittedly, this one is much more of a cellar dweller story. So, you know, guilty as charged. It's, it's not a basement one. Um, but for all intents and purposes, let's just call it a basement. Stamp plays a young sort of loner and he stalks a young art student played by um, Samantha Egger. And um, he, <laughs> he, he sneaks up on her, has the chloroform puts it over her face, and then drags it into his black van. And it's the exact same sinister black van that's in uh, the black phone like right. movie that, that the Snatcher um, uses. So I thought, well, there's a tie-in right there. Like, maybe, you know, there's a little bit of nod to that. Maybe there's more homages. Yes. But, yeah, um, this guy, though, Stamp is an idealist, and he's, like, a very well-mannered, well-to-do, respectful, mild-mannered kind of guy. And all he wants to do is love this girl and he wants her to love her back. So he's really hoping that Stockholm Syndrome will kick in. So he has no intention of doing anything like raping or anything. He just wants her there and won't let her go. And that compulsion, that obsession ends up you know, spiraling out of control. And it's very much like, a, I guess, a nihilistic version of Frenzy, the Hitchcock film. Because that's got a lot of humour in it. This one doesn't. Like, it is just absolute... There's no hope in this film. And that's what really shocked me about this because William Wyler, like, he's the guy that made Ben-Hur, he made, what, um, Funny Girl, Roman Holiday, and he goes and makes this one. And he gave up the opportunity to direct... Um, the, uh, was it The Sound of Music? I mean, Ben-Hur's pretty fucking dark. Well, it is. It He's is. Best, best friends until one decides <laughs> to uh, consign the other friend to slavery. But it's also... sending it's his also wife, of, his sister and mother to the leper in, colony. In the context of his time, though, it's also very blockbuster. Like, yeah. it's very action-packed. But this, though, like, it's just really dang. No action? No action whatsoever. It's mostly dialogue. No sex? It, no sex. Um, a little bit, but not a lot. But there's nudity, so you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, Benjamin boobs strikes again, and it's not it's not forced nudity. It's like it's you know derobing of oneself. So of Terence Stamp, <laughs> yeah. he rocks out with his cocks out. Let's just say there's bath time for Samantha, right? Yes, but um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, William Wilder gave up the opportunity to do Sound of Music to make this, which is quite interesting. He um, made the right choice. I kind of think he did because I hate the sound of music so much. But I, I think I've never it's, seen it. I mean, Terence Stamp is a creepy guy as it is, like in movies, and this one is about as creepy as I've he's seen him. Oddly intense. He was he's an oddly intense. Actor. He was overlooked for the Oscar, but Samantha Egger got a nomination, and so did Wyla. But this was the first movie ever in history to win Best Actor and Actress at Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival. So, right, was it the first time they had that award? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> But it's, I mean, I guess there's some historical context there, if you will. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so look, 
the other thing I read up on this one is of, of all the movies out there that have influenced true crime, apparently this one like is something of a record holder because a lot of true crimes Jesus. have been proven to have taken cues from this. And most of them in the 80s, which is weird because that's what, 20 years 20 later? Years I'm later. thinking maybe that's just the uh, the prevalence of home video or something that's maybe they've all caught it. And, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, everyone strange. knows that perverts can't afford cinema tickets. Yeah. They could only afford VHS rentals. So I would look. I I do definitely highly recommend this one. You can rent it on like YouTube or one of the one of the platforms for three or four bucks. It's highly worth uh, worth looking at. Um, like I said, Terence Stamp. He's only nineteen, twenty years old by the looks of it, but geez, it's one of his best. So there you go, the collector. How's it going, everybody? It's Guillermo here again, once again from Screen Realm. I won't say .com because the website, etc., etc., etc. I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about it, but be sure to hit Screen Realm on YouTube and across social media. And you can also check out the podcast I have with my better half. It's called Loud Observers, and that's on YouTube as well. I'm going to share with you all a few of the film news stories that have occurred over the last week, kicking off with Bad Boys 4 potentially still going ahead regardless of the slap that was heard around the world. While a few Will Smith projects have seemingly been delayed or cancelled, another Bad Boys film is apparently still in the works. In an interview with Ebony, Bad Boys star Martin Lawrence said, and I quote, we got one more at least. Sony chairman and CEO Tom Rothman also said that the film is still in the works. In a recent interview with Deadline, he said that, and I quote, that movie's been in development and still is. A big sci-fi film that Apple has planned called Project Artemis has a leading man changer. The film was set to star Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. Now Chris Evans is out, Channing Tatum is in. Evans was forced to step away from the project due to scheduling conflicts with his upcoming films Pain Hustlers and Big Red One. Project Artemis also now has its director Greg Berlanti, quite the big name television producer and writer whose credits include Riverdale, The Flash, The Flight Attendant and much more. Berlanti's previous feature credit was 2018's Love, Simon. No plot details for Project Artemis are quite known as yet, although it is said to be set against the space race in the 60s. Apple acquired the project for around $100 million. Baby Yoda was stolen from Gremlins. That's according to director Joe Dante, Helmer of the 1984 film Gremlins. In a recent interview with the San Francisco Chronicle where he talked about his classic Gremlins movies, Dante had the following to say, I think the longevity of the films is really key to this one character, Gizmo, who is essentially like a baby. Which brings me, of course, to the subject of Baby Yoda, who is completely stolen and is just out and out copied. Shamelessly, I would think. I mean, the characters do look a little similar in the kind of cute, big eye, baby kind of thing. But, you know, Yoda style was predates Gremlins and uh, John Favreau himself has said that E.T. was a bit of an inspiration. So I guess it's up for argument. One of the many live action redos that Disney has on the way is Lilo and Stitch, and the film has found its director. Set to direct the film is Dean Fleischer Camp, whose feature debut, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, is still currently in the midst of rolling out. That film is a feature adaptation of the animated short films featuring an interview with a mollusk named Marcel. As for Lilo and Stitch, the 2002 animated film told of a friendship that's formed between a lonely human girl and an alien, Stitch, who's actually engineered to be a force of destruction. It's not yet known whether this new live action adaptation will be theatrical or a Disney Plus release. That about does for me guys, thanks so much for having me once again, Screen Realm on YouTube and social media, and check out Loud Observers as well, catch you next week.
Free Ride by the Edgar Winter Group. Another one from the Black Phone soundtrack band. That's a banger of a that banger of a song. I know it from the Days of the Confused soundtrack, but I'll, uh, and was it in like Guardians of the Galaxy or something? Probably. It's probably on that mixtape. Yep, yep. It's on a, probably on Elizabeth Town. Such a like an era setting song too. Like mm. yeah, and um, and the Black Phone is a really awesome snapshot of the late seventies, and that's exactly what we're here to talk about. Um, the entire show today has been built around this movie, so let's um, let's share the conversation I had with Scott Derrickson. This chat, it must be said, was actually recorded before I had seen the film, so it's completely spoiler-free, um, which is good. It's a good thing. Because you didn't know the spoilers <laughs> when you recorded it. Um, but I if this... just sent you a spoiler email. Yeah. Here's all of the spoilers. If this, um, if this chat doesn't get you excited about the movie, probably nothing will. Um, as I mentioned last week, I think on the show, or one of the videos, Black Phone is right up there for me for this year. One of the best films. It's actually going head-to-head with Top Gun for my number one position. Undecided yet. Which one's going to win? Who will be the victor? I, mean, I haven't seen it yet. Admittedly, yeah. But it's still, you know, the unbearable weight <laughs> of massive talent. It's, it's going to be hard to beat. Mm. That film's going to be hard to beat. And, uh, Unless... Uh, Unless uh, Ethan Hawke uh, at one point says, Ethan Hawke gives good smooches. <laughs> I was fucking waiting for it. <laughs> I don't see how it's going to beat the, the unbearable way that's a challenge. Anyway, uh, some background on Scott Derrickson before we throw to it. This guy um, was the guy, his first movie was uh, Hellraiser Inferno, which is part five of that series, which I am on record many and many times of saying I think that is actually one of the most underrated director video horror movies of all time. And I actually brought that up with him so i get to pick his brain about that so if you're a hellraiser fan there's something for you and this guy went on to direct the exorcism of emily rose he did the remake of the day the earth stood still he made sinister which i think was ethan hawk deliver us from evil and the first doctor strange so needless to say he's no newcomer and um he's a seasoned horror director i am a part-time magician would you like to see a magic trick Who is this? You know our name. He's waiting for you. You don't have much time. Hi, Scott. It's great to be chatting with you. Hey, likewise. Mate, I want to uh, lead into my questions about the black phone uh, by going right back for a moment. I, I want to tell you that I think that Hellraiser Inferno is one of the most underrated horror films of all time. And you made that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, it really is, and, and you made that for Dimension, who were notably the the biggest horror players at the time. And now you're with Blumhouse, who are smashing it. How do those companies compare from a filmmaker's perspective? Oh God, they're so different. Uh, you know, uh, Dimension was a, I, I did a lot of script work for them, and and uh, you know made that made that movie, and um, they were a horrible place. Hor- <laughs> they're horrible people. Bob and Harvey Weinstein are terrible human beings. So uh, I was very, very lucky to even get out of there alive, frankly. And um, and and Jason Blum is the antithesis of that. You know, he's he's my closest friend in this business, and he's very, very protective of, of creative talent and supportive of, of my vision in both the pictures that we made together. And he's just he's just the best. He's just a great guy. Fantastic. I might ask you to sort of elaborate on on his work in just a minute, but um. I also wanted to quickly mention Joe Hill. Like he's he's become something of a, an amazing author, um, and his story itself is relatively short. How much strain from the the story did you have to do, and was he involved at any point? He was, you know, he was involved all along. Um, uh, Fargill, my writing partner, is a, is a very accomplished novelist of his own. So Joe and and, and he had become friends uh, 
um, as, as uh, you know, fellow novelist. And, but I had, I'm the one who had read the book when it came out. I stumbled into a bookstore and 16, 17 years ago and just saw 20th Century Ghost, an anthology of horror shorts on, on, the, on, the, on the wall of, of horror books. And I read the first one, the first story just standing in the bookstore, and I thought it was amazing. This guy's fantastic. I had no idea he was Stephen King's son. And, and I bought the book, and I read everything in it, and, and I just thought the Black Phone was such a great idea for a movie. And I always held on to that. And I think I even optioned it from Joe at some point five or six years ago, maybe longer. I don't remember exactly, but it just seemed uh, like the right time that, you know, when I stepped off the movie I had been working on about a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever it was, I, I was thinking about trying to take some of my own childhood and do kind of a uh, an American 400 blows at North Denver. And I grew up in this kind of violent working class neighborhood in, in North Denver and and experienced a lot of fear, a lot of bullying, a lot of, you know, uh, domestic violence. And, and, and there was, you know, it was kind of a scary place to grow up. And I was talking to Cargill about it. And we, we, we were both, he grew up in a tough neighborhood as well. And we were just really interested in doing something like that. And then we got the idea to combine, you know, the specifics of the world I grew up in with Joe's story, the black bone. And so what we did was, Really, everything that's in that short story is in the movie, and is the core story, you know. And but what fills it out are, are are things that are very inspired by real kids that I grew up with, that I knew, and and just what um, life at that time and place felt like. And uh, and that it, the, the, those two things combined just seem to really really work. Definitely, you, you're actually playing right into my questions here. It's fantastic because I I found you know the trailer was incredibly intense but for a child of the 80s like myself it really did play into that whole stranger danger fear that was drummed into us as a kid and I was going to ask you if that was a concerted effort to lean on I guess for lack of better word nostalgia yeah you know I didn't want to make a nostalgic movie and and, and I find that most of the movies that you know TV shows that you see are sort of nostalgic and, and really looking back not so much on how things were but how movies have portrayed you know, childhood in the, in the, in the late 70s and 80s. And, and I, I really wanted to have, make something authentic that, you know, it was all the things I mentioned. There was a lot of fighting. Kids fought all the time. There was a lot of bleeding. Um, you know, fathers, you know, everybody got whipped by their dad, you know, for punishment. There was, there was, uh, it was, that was the norm. And, uh, and, it, and, and the, the stranger danger was a real thing, you know, the, the, and Ted Bundy had just come through Colorado and killing women. And he also escaped from, you know, while he was there and, and the Manson murders had just occurred. And, you know, my next door neighbor, my friend, Chris came, knocked on my door one day and said, somebody murdered my mom, you know, and his mother had been abducted and, and, uh, and raped and murdered and thrown in a local lake. So it's just, there was a real atmosphere of danger that anything could happen at any time you know and i grew up on a block of 13 boys i was the youngest and you know so a lot of bullying that was there which is a, that plays a big part in the story as well and i you know i and i again those are all personal things and there are characters in it that i knew that i really brought into this movie but it's still joe's story you know it's still all in the service of a, of a core story idea that was joe's and, and what we added were were the more, um, you know, personal, emotional, 
character elements. His story has basically two characters, and you know we've got three major characters and quite a few side characters. Yeah, right. And with the exception of the uh, the tragedy of murder, it sounds like we had a very similar childhood. Um, um, and you're also uh, reuniting with Ethan Hawke and Jason Blum here, and uh, obviously you're a formidable trio. Jason does seem like a really generous producer. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what kind of producer he is and, and how much freedom he gives you? I mean, he's, you know, I'm sure every filmmaker has their own experience. In, in my case, he's, he's just 100% supportive. You know, he just trusts me to do, to make the movie that I want to make. And he will, he on occasion, on just a few occasions, has told me he thought something should be done differently or should be cut differently. And if I've disagreed with him, he's like, it's your movie, however you want to do it. You know, he's never, never uh, applied any pressure for me to do anything differently than what I wanted to do. So he's, you know, he has a lot of, he has a lot of respect for, for talent. What he's good at is recognizing you know, filmmaking talent. He's good at recognizing the story ideas and marketability of, of, of a story idea. But he, he's not a creative producer. He doesn't think of himself that way. He's not somebody who, who's in there trying to tell the story themselves. He's, he's there to try to create the best arena for the storytellers to do their job. Excellent. And um, we're, we are about to run the clock out, but I, I wanted to also quickly ask about Ethan Hawke. Um, he makes some really bold and interesting choices in the roles he's taken on lately. And I, I did read somewhere that he said he'd never do a, a bad character before, a bad guy. What motivated him to take this role? You know, when I offered it to him, that's what he told me. He said, look, you know, I'll read the script, but I, I really don't play villains. And it's uh, uh, that interesting to him as an actor. And he said, it's going to have to be, it would have to be something really, really remarkable for me to do that. But, to play a villain role, and um, and I sent him the script, and uh, I got a voicemail from my cell phone that night that was him with this very menacing voice reading one of the prose lines from the script. <laughs> and so when I heard that, I, I knew, oh, he's in. He's going to do this. This is this is terrific. That's fantastic. I love that. Um, definitely uh, can't wait to see the film. The trailer blew me away. So um, thanks for you know having a chat. Really enjoyed. It. And once again, um, yeah, Hellraiser Inferno. It's in my top. You know, top ten all-time underrated horror films. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. You know, I, I really love that film. There's a lot of lot of that was a also a personal film in a lot of ways, and you know, and, and it's, it's kind of had a nice little renaissance. People discovered it, and, and uh, it's always it's always great to hear. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. This week we're talking about. Things that live in the basement. <laughs> Other than James and I, because I pretty much live in my basement. Yeah, I don't have a basement. Yeah, well, if I didn't have a basement, I wouldn't have anywhere to live, Chad. I'm a failure, and I've been pushed to the basement. And we, and you're just too big for those refrigerator boxes. <laughs> I can't tell if that's a fat joke or some sort of other joke. Either way, I don't like you. Now, <laughs> what are we talking about? I'm going to go with my first one because I was trying to look these up like we always do. And there's a couple on here like Evil Dead and People Under the Stairs. Technically not a basement movie, but Get Out is in there. I don't see Get Out as one. But mine is going to be 1987's John Carl Buechler's Cellar Dweller. You guys remember this? It's got Jeffrey Combs in it. No. Well, the thing is, is I was looking to see if I could find it. And I'd be damned if it's not on anything streaming that you don't have to pay premium for, which actually kind of pisses me off. But Cellar Dweller is about, 
about a special effects uh, i mean about a comic book artist and his inspiration for mystical horror and drawings and i'm so sorry but I totally just, we only got five minutes i, 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 know, I, I know but i feel like we should argue the difference between a seller what should we argue the difference between a seller and a basement no well now see if you argue the difference between a seller and a basement then evil dead's not a basement because so it's a fruit anyway, seller because someone's in my fruit cellar Somebody buys the house later and they open up the demon and it's a cellar dweller. Now, John Carl died a couple of years ago. He's actually really famous for a lot of his special effects work in the 80s and 90s. If you're not familiar with him looking up, I can't remember most scenes in this, but I remember most of it. Cellar dweller, Chad. Well, no, I'm going to let James go and uh, James, James make, your, make, make, make yours count because Joe just threw his away by doing a cellar, not a basement horror. I'm gonna oh. do. I'm gonna do what I always do—a bargain basement. Now, um, I'm, I, you know, it, it's came up for me a couple times, but it's when you say basement to me, and I think horror. There's one movie that comes to mind, and I've said it before. It's Martyrs. Why is Martyrs in the basement? Is it? I don't remember being in the basement. Yeah, remember her friend tells her, and she doesn't you know if her friend's telling her. Cellar? Her friends telling her all the time that she was tortured in a cellar. If you remember the beginning of the movie, Joe, have you seen the film, Joe? Anyway, the girl, the girl escapes from the basement and then flashes forward and her, she's always told her friend and then she goes, kills those people, kills herself. And her friend goes to investigate when she finds the hidden basements where the torture chamber is. Yeah. Have you seen Martyrs? Yeah, it's right. Mine's right over here. Hey, Hank. Good movie. Chad. All right, so uh, I am going to go for one that is not necessarily considered a basement horror film. I think it has probably the definitive, most creepy basement scene in movie history. Sounds the, the Road. Sounds of the Lambs. No, The Road. Uh, so Vigo Mortensen's uh, in The Road. Uh, it's, a, it's about a... Get out um, of it. He's going to get ran over. It's about a man and a boy working their way through a, a, a post-apocalyptic world. The only way they know how. And that's just a little <laughs> bit more than the cannibals will allow. Sorry. So, yeah. So they end up in a basement uh, and that basement is full of something that is dark and absolutely creepy. And I've, I've actually, uh, it's one of those scenes where uh, the whole movie, the road is nothing but depression <laughs> one scene after another, but the, the, the basement scene with the cannibals is by far the, one of the creepiest movies I've seen I've seen in a long time. So I had to bring that up. At, there are plenty of basement horror films we could talk about. I think the road, the basement scene in the road. Read, has read it, the book, Chad. If you think the movie's depressing, you have told me enough about the book that I never want to read it. <laughs> cellar dweller. Oh my God! Do you think we do a cellar dweller martyrs uh, mashup? They're cellar torturing that cellar dweller. Cellar martyr dweller. Yeah, meets the road. <laughs> This has been Bonehead. It's narrated by Tom Green, who narrates every road trip movie. Tom Waits. This has been Bonehead Weekly. Good one, Boneheads. <laughs> <laughs> you just heard from Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas from the Bonehead Weekly podcast. And it's good to know that Joe sort of joined me on the whole cellar controversy there, Ben, as opposed to basements. Well, he brushed past it. He didn't answer the allegations laid against him. <laughs> It's just uh, Have we come to uh, Chad going, well, you fucked up there, buddy. <laughs> and Joe just blowing right past it. Have we come to any kind of conclusion? No. No? No. I, I, you know, unfortunately, while the segments are playing... You're not looking it up. We're not <laughs> twiddling our thumbs. <laughs> it's, uh, In between it's nothing segments. But, nothing but wristies and... Uh, <laughs> inappropriate. Inappropriate uh, <laughs> you know, uh, stick under the table <laughs> probing. 
all the stuff that can't make it to air because we get in trouble. Cellarverse basement. So, right, are we doing this now, are we? I'm going to do it now. All right, a cool. basement is the floor of a building which has, which is partly or entirely below ground level. A cellar is a room below ground level in a house that is often only used for storing wine or coal. It is used for a specific purpose. Well, coal is very specific. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind a fruit cellar. Never or a no. or a dead dead <laughs> grandma cellar or a wine cellar. Just don't mix the two. All right, Just, let's go. My first, my first, my second recommendation here, Ben, is um, far more disturbing than my first one. I've really upped the ante here, and this is one. I'll of the, be the judge of that. This is one of the hardest fucking movies to watch. But if it's not a ripper, then Jesus Christ, like you know, shoot me. Before I reveal the title, <laughs> here's what Stephen King wrote about the film when he saw it. It's a good quote. He goes, <clears throat> "The the first authentically shocking American film I've seen since Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer over 20 years ago. If you are easily disturbed, you should not watch this movie. If, on the other hand, you are prepared to." Take a long, hard look into hell, suburban style. This will not disappoint. This is the dark side of the moon version of Stand By Me. That's a pretty good quote. Probably too long for a poster. I'm assuming this is a John Hughes movie. <laughs> this is 2007's Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door. Not to be confused with The Other Girl Next Door. Which I've is only a, seen The Other Girl Next Door. Which is a sexy, sexy comedy. But this one tells the true story of the murder she's of Sylvia Lundquist. She's in high school Lundquist. and she's a porn star. <laughs> it's the true story of the murder of Sylvia Lundquist. And the, uh, the setup Is of she this a porn one, star? Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm about to like explain <laughs> the <laughs> darkest fucking movie you've ever seen in your life, dude. <laughs> Was she a porn star? So the the setup is what Stephen King refers to as the the dark side of Stand by Me because it um, has the actor William Atherton who you know from Die Hard and uh, Ghostbusters he was the the asshole the, reporter from yeah. Die Hard. It's true. This man has a small dick. <laughs> yeah, Tim, and he witnesses a car accident and that really rattles him. And then that night, you know, he gets on the whiskey and he starts to reflect on a traumatizing sort of element of his youth that he wiped away from his memory and it all comes flooding back. Does it involve a porn star? And so then the story goes back to the 1950s and tells that story and it's, it centers around um, the, the lead actress is Blanche Baker, you know, and she was the, uh, the dopey, drugged up sister from 16 Candles. Don't know if you remember that movie. I There's your John the Hughes connection. Yeah, I don't remember the I remember the movie, but I don't remember there being a dopey drugged up sister in it. Yeah, anyway, she plays this um, single mother living a typically idealistic um, American neighborhood life. Um, and she lets her son's friends all hang out at their house. She plays the role of the cool mum. She offers them beer and cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. But then what we discover, not far into it, is that her 16-year-old niece, who lives with her, is chained up in the basement. And she's starved. For being a porn star. She's starved and she's tortured. And, and when I'm talking torture, I'm talking really horrific torture too. Like we're talking Snowtown level torture. It's fucking oh, horrendous. I it was like they forced her to watch the Barbie movie. Or, uh... <laughs> Remind me to piss all over your next recommendation <laughs> because I fucking will. <laughs> and without really going into it, it includes really awful genital mutilation. She's forced to eat shit and vomit. Um, you get the picture. You I'm not, see, you see, they shows you all of this? A lot of it, yes. Um, I'm not going to go into any more of it because it is a movie to be discovered and, and repelled. Why? And it is... There's, I don't know what it is about it because it is... You know those films that are so dark but they're shot beautifully? This is one of those. Anyway, it's perhaps the most disturbing thing I've seen ever. 
Oh, where am I? I've lost my train of thought because of you, you motherfucker. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the most disturbing element is the, the uh, porn star Blanche Baker's <laughs> character. This mother invites all of the neighborhood boys to come around and take their turns raping this girl. And it is just disturbing. So hang on, so Blanche Baker is the one doing the torturing. Yes, well, yes. She, but she also encourages the neighborhood kids to torture with her. And uh, if you why? paid attention, like, you know, we, we could have gotten to this earlier. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was more fun. It was more fun just say, repeating the word porn star over and over, and over again. All right, ask your questions and I will answer them. I mean, you brought it up. <laughs> the porn star stuff. I didn't even, you know, I was, my mem- I was beating you to the, to punch, the punch because you were you going know, my to. My memory is so bad that I was like, oh, is that what it's called? One way or the other, you were going to get there. But uh, so Blanche Baker is the villain of the film. It's yes. not like it's not like there's a Hans Fritzl character that's doing it, and she's just no, she's she, the one. She's the one. She's a single mother. She's the cool mum on the neighbourhood to all of the kids. But but no one knows who her kid is. No, it's her niece who no one knows uh, is staying with her because her parents died and she didn't want the niece. But she keeps the niece chained up in the basement. And so what is her, her kids are all fine with it? Yeah, her kids, because they've been groomed into this condition. Like they started right. very young and she raised them to sort of, you know, we don't like her. Um, we're going to put a blowtorch to her vagina. That kind of stuff. Jesus. There's a lot of that. And so it is really hard to watch. And like I said, that scene with all the boys lined up taking turns. Like last exit to Brooklyn. And they're all, they're all shirtless. And the poster, the theatrical poster is the image of them lined up and the camera looks over their shoulders at them waiting for their turn. Jesus. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> based on a true crime um, and this movie, the only movie I can think that comes close to it in tone is the one you talked about the other week, Changeling, because it is sort of that era it's a little bit later, but it's that sort of 60s era. But you know the dark moments of that movie, Changeling? Yes. Yeah. With this the, is yeah. the entire film, like, is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, also, some interesting things. It was remade, or not remade, the movie was, or the story was made again the following year as a film called The American Crime, which starred Catherine Keener in that lead role as the mother. Yeah, right. And that had... Uh, Elliot Page That's as upsetting. Elliot Page was <laughs> this sounds weird. Elliot Page was the girl in the basement. <laughs> she was Ellen Page at the time. James Franco and Evans Peters and um, Scout Taylor Compton was in it. It's like that was a fully loaded um, movie directed by the guy that made Get Over It and Now are Enchanted. But that's the other one made of this. Not quite as horrendous to look at as um, Girl Next Door. Who else was in this one? Oh, I know Michael Zegan, the guy that plays. Um, the husband from Marvelous Miss Maisel. He's one of the kids. Yeah, right. He's one of the kids in it. Um, who else is in this? Catherine Mary Stewart, Grant Snow, and a whole lot of other actors that have gone on to television that you'd recognize their faces but not necessarily know their name. And the director, this is an interesting one. His name's Gary M. Wilson. He's only made three movies. But one of those other movies is like a real sort of kid-friendly gate-style horror movie called Ghoul. And like it's so odd to go from like a kid friendly, you know, fun horror film to <laughs> Girl Next Door. It's so weird, but there you go. D- didn't want to be typecast. It's, and, and being a Jack Ketchum story, it's gonna be nasty, right? Yeah. He takes the true story and he really, really exposes really, the horror. Yeah. yeah, doubles down on the on the <laughs> on the blow nas- nastier aspects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Um, have you got it out of your system now, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, now you've you've kind of uh, you've ruined it all. Now. Oh, sorry about the blowtorch, but um, alrighty, we'll take a break and go to view Laura, and then we'll come back with your recommendation. Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. 
They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. Thank you to Viewlorium for providing that quick breather so that we can move on from my recommendation and on to Ben's and um, hopefully not spiral into another Girl Next Door conversation about porn. This movie has no porn stars in it that I'm aware of. It's okay. very upsetting. What is it? Because Wendy Shaw, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about possibly the greatest basement movie of all time. Oh, is it Wayne's World? It, no. Oh, okay. that, that's close. No, it is <laughs> 1989's The Burbs. The Burbs. You're throwing back, mate. The very, very, very first FakeShamp.net podcast was all about The Burbs. It was all about The Burbs. And well, it should be. And it was recorded in the basement. Excellent. Well done. Well, I, I d- <laughs> don't need to say any more. Uh, directed by Joe Dante, stars Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher, Bruce Dern pops up, Wendy Charles, you know, a, a Feldman. There is a Feldman. One, one of the Corys. That's Corey Feldman for sure. Turns up Henry Gibson. Yeah. Uh, Courtney Gaines. Up. Did you Courtney say Courtney Gaines? Gaines? Yeah. A very, uh, very interestingly made up Courtney Gaines. Hans. 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 You know, because um, I've said before, we had Courtney Gaines on the show. Um, what, last year was it? I think so. Think so yeah, and he talked about his character of Hans, and if you actually like, you know, have a really good high-res television and look at his face, he's got green veins all over his face. Yeah, right. Just thought I'd add a bit of context He's been there. sucking in the embalming fluid. <laughs> Must be. He's almost Beetlejuicey. He's a ginger Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if Beetlejuice was a dumb, was a dumb shit... <laughs> Completely under the sway of his grand, of his two grandfathers, or his father and his uncle, or whatever the hell they are. You know, I've always loved sardines since seeing that movie. It's the movie that put me onto sardines. I used to like sardines as a kid. Something I, about I when do you remember when um, Tom Hanks and what's the what's Artie the guy who's his best mate? I can't remember his name in real life. Yeah, he looks like a Murray. He looks like one of the Murray brothers, yeah. but he's not. He was, like, he was, not, he was not Bill and not uh, big on the stand-up scene back then. But that scene where they eat sardines on crackers. Rick Ducumin. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, when they eat those sardines on crackers, I'll yeah. tell you what, that made me want sardines on crackers. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. So that, that, is, that, is that your recommendation? Yeah, the burbs. I shouldn't have to explain <laughs> what the burbs are about. No, but you know, I should but, know. Yeah. I, I, you, know, you usually yeah. take 10 minutes to talk about these things and you've just yeah. gone 30 seconds and I'm well, expected I, to think that that's, you know. I, know. I know that you're planning to derail my uh, <laughs> my review, so I'm just... Yeah, just keep it at short. I'm like, how can you derail this? Like, go ahead. This is going to be a tit for tat, so we're going to have the smallest, shortest <laughs> reviews ever now moving yeah. forward. So basically, Tom Hanks, he lives in a cul-de-sac, in, a, in this, like a suburban neighbourhood cul-de-sac, and he's friends, friends slash enemies, he's frenemies with all his neighbours, and a, a new, new neighbour, an interloper, moves in, this weird family that keep to themselves and only come out at night, and weird things. The Lopaxes. The Clopax. The Clopax. The Clopax. <laughs> They have weird noises come from their basement and weird lights at night. Yep. And uh, they're convinced that they're, uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs type serial killer. You know, they wear people as clothing and, they, they you know, the, the neighborhood comes up with all sorts of weird and wonderful stories. And when one of the neighbors disappears, <laughs> then uh, they're certain that Walter. Uh, Walter, Walter with the dog. There is a great scene, isn't there, in the backyard when, you know, it might not be a porn movie, but Tom Hanks certainly has a bone in his hand, that's for sure. He certainly does. And that is one of the funny moments. I love it when Tom Hanks spazzes out, and boy, does he spaz yeah. out in that scene. 
and it's bad. Yeah, and, you know, things go from bad to worse, and they go. They they definitely overreact <laughs> yeah. to the to the situation. They feed each other on. It is a. It is a. Or do it, they? Or do they? Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, it is a fantastic film. One I of Joe agree. Dante's bests. Yeah, yeah, you know, best, and he's had a. I'd say you know, yeah, top three maybe for me. Of Dante movies, yeah, I'd say, and that's saying something because really, yeah. like, you could easily there's probably you know six that go into my favorite. Yeah. I would go like personally speaking, obviously, I'd go Gremlins. I would then go Burbs. Then I'd go Inner Space. That'd be my three. Your three, yeah. Anyway, I almost chose a Joe Dante movie for this episode. Small Soldiers, no. So that would go into. I think Small Soldiers would go into my three. No, I almost did um the whole. Which is the one he did mm. the second to last movie, so, yeah. which I was amazed that never found an audience because I watched it again in prep for for this, thinking I was going to do it, and it's really effective. Like it's a creepy little family horror flick, and it doesn't have Shia LaBeouf in it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that's a different. That's a different one. So is this? Is that? Is that it? That's it. I, I've got nothing else to say. Um, if you haven't watched it, that is a first. I've got nothing else to say. I really. This uh, is an odd show. I used it all up. I used it all up <laughs> on your uh, ultra serious, dark, disturbing movie that I was convinced involved a high school age girl who was also a porn star. I wonder if that was as irritating for people listening as it was for me. I don't think so. <laughs> that was probably very pleasurable. I think, I think it was very, very <laughs> irritating to you, <laughs> and very, very hilarious to everyone else. Ah. Uh, the, the name for the show will be changed to Trigger Point. And <laughs> Ben's Trigger Point. There we I go. Just, I, frowned, I, frowned, I found your... Uh, you frowned? Your, I found your frozen line. It <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> doesn't even make this sense, no. but it's funny anyway. I just put it... That, that was, that's below okay, the right. freeze line. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, that's, I was in basement territory there. Yeah, you're fully, fully <laughs> grounded, mate. You... <laughs> Fucking hell, here lies the end of the show, and thank God for that. Uh, some other great titles to consider. I think Nightmare on Elm Street is, is one that qualifies. The basement mm-hmm. stuff in that is pretty awesome. Fresh, that we uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of months ago. Yes, of course. Yeah, I forgot about that. Thing, Martyrs, which uh, has just come out on Blu-ray well, Care of bone, Umbrella Bonehead's, Entertainment. Bonehead's talked about that oh, one. Um, Zodiac has a great moment in the basement with... Um, Charles Fleischer. Yes. Oh, fucking great. Oh, War of the Worlds has a good basement scene with um, Tim Robbins. With Tim Robbins, yeah. <laughs> creepy, uh, creepy things happen. Um... The Animal. <laughs> yeah. Forget The Animal. House Arrest from 1996. And you mentioned it before, uh, Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2, that basement TV show. Yeah, totally. Ba- oh, Wayne's uh... World's a bloody banger. Well, 10 Cloverfield Lane, that's a bunker. Like, it's but a bunker. It's, you know, yeah, that's true. Then we get into a whole other conversation. The bunker... Bunker episode. <laughs> Movies in bunkers. Movies in bunkers. Grease 2 would qualify. The bunker. <laughs> the bunker. Then we can start talking about characters called Bunker and bring Eddie into That's it. Right, he gets laid, doesn't he? He, gets, he convinces her to have sex with him. Oh, in the it's bunker. a real rapey kind of weird scene, isn't and, it? And uh, uh, speaking of Joe Dante, Matinee. Oh, when they go into the bomb shelter. That qualifies for top five. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for me, oh, look, yeah, look at that would be up there. It's so hard. I couldn't do it. I would like the, like I said. There's like six films that will be my number one. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to have to separate them. You can't make me, Glenn. I would, you can't make me. I would die to get Joe Dante on the show, and I've I've definitely tried. Um, it's not yeah, not for lack of trying. And I've I've met him. We will get him. 
We will get him. And by met him, I mean I chased him down in a car park and made him uh, take a picture with Jarrett. <laughs> I remember that. I've got um, one of our good friends is uh, on, on to it for us to try and wrangle Mr. Dante. We so. had good friends? Why we, wasn't uh, I told? <laughs> hey, I just remembered one. 1992 or three, around then, Secrets, that Australian film with Danny Minogue. Noah yeah, Taylor, right, yeah. all in the basement of the hotel when the Beatles are when in the town. When the Beatles are in town, It's like yeah. the Breakfast Club 60s style. That was a fucking great movie. Yeah. I've got that somewhere. It's um, on, got it on VHS. Yeah, mine I think is like, you know, one of those copies from VHS transferred over to DVD. Yeah, right. But it, in America, it was called like One Crazy Night or something like that. It had a different yeah. title. So if you're listening at home, this one will end up on Letterboxd, by the way, because it's... Uh, Everyone, everyone must. Yeah, I'll just keep talking about secrets, 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 <laughs> secrets, secrets. Nineteen ninety-two. Everyone, have you seen that video? Did you send it to me? The guy who gets Siri, he changes. Hey Siri, change my name to And then Siri goes, okay. So from now on, I will call you. <laughs> probably respond to our laughing. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that's it for another week. Um, go ahead, find all of our contributors and like them on social media. Guillermo, Jarrett, Joe, Chad and James. Much thanks to them and their contributions to our but show. don't like them as much as you like us. No, that's right. Because, you know, like I said, I got a bit angry at the start. Fucking find <laughs> us on Facebook, goddammit, and Twitter and... Nah, and Twitter. Snap. No, don't, don't go to Twitter. I yeah, don't they like say Twitter. consistency is the key to social media growth, but... <laughs> We are proof that that is not always the case. Because <laughs> if there is one thing, it's consistent. It's consistent yeah. <laughs> Consistently drawing week shit. in, <laughs> week out. No, but oh my god, that's um yeah. Spread the word, people. Let's yeah. you know. I don't want to beg, but I'm going to beg. <laughs> <laughs> and if begging doesn't work, I'm just going to get angry. That's right. Uh, and shout out, beg angry. Shout out don't to don't beg angry, Glenn. Chloe, Meldy, and Sam. They are the uh, the rock star ladies of Good Movie Monday. You can catch them on the social media. So do it for them. Do it for the girls. You know, don't do it for us. Do it for the girls. Maybe we, maybe we should just get into bikinis. Yeah. That, fuck that. We'd win TikTok, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Let me get those four-app mankinis. Also, thanks to Scott Derrickson for the chat. And thanks to Universal Pictures for helping make that happen. Much appreciated. And thank you for listening. Next week, we do have a special guest live at the desk with us. It's a TV producer and actress that you may not know of, but you certainly will by the time Wednesday rolls around when we reveal that. So join us next week. It's going to be a really super fun episode. <laughs> The logic of that statement. Ah, uh, oh, no, it works. Just, yeah, it, it works. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It works. Um, we're gonna we're gonna sign off. Uh, one more song from the Black Phone soundtrack. Um, you all know it. It's Fox on the Run by Sweet. I think that was in Guardians as well. And in Days and Confused. <laughs> what a ripoff. Foxy. It's fair to say this has been uh this has been a funky episode, Ben. It's been. Uh, we went down to Funky Town. We certainly did. <laughs> Would you take me too? Funky Town. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>